Hello and welcome to the Dad and Sons podcast. I am joined here. Dude, we don't have to introduce ourselves. You know who we are. Hello. <laughs> if you're on episode, do they? Well, well, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> do you, Do you really skip ahead in, in podcasts? Or just do you go to Do them? you go to work every day and you're like, "Hi, I'm William. Welcome." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in case you guys forgot, I'm here today with my colleagues, <laughs> and then you just repeat everybody's name. If work was a podcast. I guess. This is standard industry practice. I I have listened to multiple podcasts, and that seems to be a thing that, that everyone else does, so maybe we should too? I don't know, that's the logic anyway. Wait, this isn't a job? <laughs> no, come to think of it, this totally is like a, a part-time, Patreon-funded gig, sort of. They would call it an albaito in Japan. This is definitely an albaito. An, an alibi? An alibi. <laughs> hey, it once was an alibi for me. Let's yeah. not mess around here. <laughs> I can't believe that actually happened. Yeah. God yeah. damn. Oh, good times. I hate thinking about how much worse all of our lives would be if it weren't for this show. That is a good point. I get overwhelmed when, when I think back. I'd be in jail. Liam would be in jail. It's uh, so weird to think I, I that. I think that's, pretty that's much a very possible <laughs> thing. <laughs> well, I think like over the past year since coronavirus has happened, there would have been entire weeks of my life, at least three weeks at some point past year, where you guys were the only people I talked to for entire oh. week-long stretches. No wonder you're crazy. I would have been even more crazy. I would have been more crazier. There, there would be less people to talk to through webcam chit chat and, and also like discord internet chit chat in general L liam would be in jail matt where i would be in jail would there be any significant change in in, in matt's life though man I, I think i've i've went through so many changes in the past like yeah since i've had this podcast that this is a nice podcast to keep grounded on like every week I had this. Yeah. It's a reminder of your youth. This was the most consistent thing in my life for Whoa. the past, I don't know, how long have we been doing this? Three years? Almost four, damn. Four years? Oh, damn. Yeah, but, but TOVG is a lot older. Like if you want to start counting the TOVG days, uh, where. I feel like things were more consistent back then. But when we did. <laughs> That yeah, when we when we started doing this, I mean, I've I moved during this. There are so many things to that, but there it is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, that's true. I mean, me and Matt, when we started this, we lived in different places. In fact, mm -hmm. I have lived in four different apartments since this podcast started. You ever uh like like bother getting real intricate about the decoration or something? Like like I don't. I I, I feel like knowing that you're going to move out of a place completely deflates a lot of what Animal Crossing depicts as a fun normal. How can you say that when you've lived in the same place for like half of your life? Now? Because up until then, I never bothered decorating. But now I, I like put pictures from my trips up on the wall. I, I, I had some some nice uh, cheaply ordered disc plates back when I was doing a sponsorship deal with them that, that are up in front of uh, my, 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 my linen closet wall. Whenever I'm folding the laundry now, I'm looking at beautiful fan art of the Witcher on the wall from displate.com slash super bunny <laughs> I'm sure that link still works. <laughs> but yeah, I can't imagine feeling 
connection. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It depends where you live, right? So I lived in like one right DK apartments, which is like the tiniest bedroom shacks, the bachelor pads of Japan, right? But mm. now I don't live in one of them and I live with someone else. You know, I've been here for a year now. Mm. This feels like somewhere, it does still feel like somewhere I'm going to move out of, but the items I have are going to continue on with me like a sofa and a TV and a table and a desk and, you know, the more mature things in life. Yeah, I, I only want to buy one desk at a time as I go through life. Hopefully just one desk. How old is your desk now? Uh, Well, when I launched the Patreon for Super Bunny Hop, I bought myself a new desk. So I want to say three and a half going on on four years. Damn. I thought it was fancy maple wood, but it turned out to be plywood with like a maple wood tape <laughs> on top and it's it's starting to fall apart and i'm worried that i'm gonna have to buy another desk whenever w whenever my stock portfolio blows up i guess will be the next big event this hella <laughs> hunky chunky piece of wood that i have here as a desk cost me 30 dollars from a second hand store and it and it's been going for three years it's fucking that is the way to do it you guys it is massive though I told you boys on Discord, uh, and I guess now I'll let the listeners know that I will be playing the Final Fantasy remake uh, over over the next couple of weeks. You'll be hearing about that, not this week, but next week. And I got a crazy ass deal on that game. <laughs> what, free? So, two, no, no, not free, but almost like two and a half dollars a month from a $26 one year subscription pass to PlayStation Plus after they added that game to the March live lineup you know it, they call they, it free on PlayStation. basically but free it, it's free it's not free some it's rebel free. soldier got blown up by a drone so that oil companies would have access to his ancient tribal lands so that some <laughs> child laborer <laughs> in china could use the oil to build the plastic in your credit card so that every time you buy something for that cheap it doesn't even feel like you're spending money at all because they want you to think it's free they want you to feel like it's free but it's really not free there ain't no such thing as a free lunch oh it's 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 definitely free oh if you already had psn if you definitely already had PSA, <laughs> you already, you already, you got a whole sixty dollar game, a whole sixty dollars. That is the price of admission. That is the price of PSN for a year. You're you're done. I found a deal on PSN for a year, usually sixty dollars, but I found one uh, being sold for twenty six dollars on on the incredibly reliable looking website cdkeys.com. But apparently everyone said that deal was legit and it's not a G2A stolen resell thing. But yeah, mm, um, this I'm is like... I'm unsure about that. I am unsure. In either case, this is, I, I think easily can be argued at this point, the most expensive game they've put on PS Plus this soon in its cycle. I think it's just under a year. It, how, how long has the FF7 remake been out? Since last April, I think? Mm -hmm. yeah yeah this thing ended up on march so that's it's it's definitely gay it just came out after animal crossing i believe so 11 10 months and it was yeah, so just that's cool that's as cool. corona was really kicking off i think i i finally get to catch up on last year's game of the year oh of course i should know it came out the same day scrappers did april 10th <laughs> i should know that it came out the same day my game came out <laughs> 
traumatic flashbacks. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oopsie daisy. <laughs> and you know how we, we keep our conflict of interests in mind here on the Dad and Sons podcast is that I remember hearing a lot more talk about Final Fantasy Remake than I remember from Scrappers. Whoa. Keep that shit to yourself, son. Whoa. Well, th- but that's the thing, you know, when when you have this this uh platform of 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 promotion where where one must be responsible about the voice they project to a large audience, we must keep these conflicts of interest in mind. Hey, look, Final Fantasy VII was my game of the year at the Dad Awards. Look, what do you want from me? Was it? it wasn't Scrappers. It was. I I think that's exactly what we want because that just shows good sportsmanship within the industry. <laughs> it was, and I'm disappointed. Last week we didn't talk about the Final Fantasy VII interlude thing with Yuffie finally coming. That looks really oh, good. Obviously. Yeah, Final Fantasy VII is a genre again. There's now a Final Fantasy VII battle royale coming out. There's a Final Fantasy VII remake remake. What? I, Matt, I actually think you might... Well, I don't know if you'd be interested in it unless it comes to PC. I, I can't remember if it was, but you should look at the uh, Final Fantasy Ever Crisis. They're literally remaking every aspect of Final Fantasy VII, including Crisis Core and Dirge of Cerberus and every other goddamn Final Fantasy VII spinoff. And they're making it with like a pseudo-original art style... You know, like painted backgrounds with 3D polygonal models on top. And then the battle scenes cut into the graphical style of the remake. It's, it's, it's a lot closer to the original PlayStation. It's a weird package. Yeah, but when it goes into the battle mode, it's like PlayStation. It's like a Final Fantasy remake. Which kind of sort of happened in the original PlayStation game. A where little you have bit. These Lego yeah, yeah, people yeah. Yeah. who turn into anime people. And yeah. the, I, it's it's funny. I I, I think it's funny wait they're remaking the original game too yeah making the whole original game and it's a remake of the remake like, it's and <laughs> it looks it's good. good yeah i know right yeah it's meant to be chapter yeah. base yeah the oh chapter God, based mobile release is is a big. kind of a red flag but so far as like the trailer i don't know remake is chapter based too i guess so have you been playing it george I haven't booted it up yet, but oh. it is now in the library. Ah, it's because it's a free game, that's why. You, oh my you, god, it's, it's not... You don't boot up free games, do you? You, you still have to, to pay m- money. Also, I realized, yeah, I had Control in, in that list that whole time. At some point, Control was a PlayStation Plus game, and I really ought to go through that thing. When you resubscribe to to ps plus you do get the the old games from your previous instant game collection back so there Mm. were a lot of indie games that i also have on pc and also some stuff like control in there that i need to actually need to go go play through anyways hi hi guys hey hi dude i think i might get ever crisis (laughs) (laughs) oh my god and replay dude it'll be i mean the the thing is the thing is once it's done i'm not a fan of episodes but um well that's the thing it's gonna be done in what 2025 so by then maybe there'll be no games left yeah how many times have you gone through ff7 in the past like like decade because i think that's true. Matt didn't. Yeah, Matt finished it like what three years ago or something like that. Yeah, yeah you were I playing fit, the original yeah. with with yeah. some mods, and then you played remake. Did, did I play with mods? No, I played. That was nine. I played nine with mods. Nine had like a. It, I 
there's this mod to make it look like make it widescreen with a little AI adjustments AI and shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think seven had any of that stuff, but um, yeah, yeah, it was dope. I like the way things are introduced in the original more, but I do like, I do like the new one, but I, 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 the first, the first disc, I wish they did the first disc the way the first disc was supposed to be done. I do like remake for sure. Because what they did with it was quite quite funny. As time goes on, I'm becoming more and more appreciative of remake than I yeah. maybe was in the beginning. And I, of course, it was the game I chose as my favorite game last year. But yeah. I don't know. There's just some, after seeing the interlude trailer with Yuffie and like seeing that world become more of you know soon enough, I guess remake two will be here. And then you're like, holy shit, this is like a really big thing. And yeah, I've really enjoyed. The combat in that game and this mostly the story oh and matt the, uh if you haven't seen the interlude trailer yet <laughs> one thing i didn't notice or click immediately but then was pointed out to me i can't remember where maybe on twitter or something but our biggest issue being the cardboard cut out scenery in the background yeah um now remake is a playstation 5 from now on series like the Yuffie DLC won't come to oh. PS4, and the backgrounds better. Looking pretty, looking pretty, looking pretty good. Actual 3D polygons, not flat PNGs in the background there. Oh shit! Is it? Is it 60? It's 60, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It's a big upgrade. Well, it kind of looks it in the background. Character models on the PS4 version was still sick. So, but yeah, um, I'm looking forward to that. So, I mean, George, July it comes hey. out. You're going to have to finish Remake by July. So then you can play as Turtleneck Bay, Yuffie. Uh, is that going to be a killer app must buy for, for the PS5, though? Because I do m- maybe want to hold out for... None of us are getting PS5s by July <laughs> anyway. You think it's going to stay short for, for all the way till July? I can't get a graphics Summer? card. I can't get a PS5. I can't get anything. There's no there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. This is what this is what I get for not caring. <laughs> now <laughs> that I want it. Now that I want one of these things, I can't get either of them. I'm just like I okay. remember three years ago when I was building my current gaming PC, even back then there it wasn't the same shortage, but people were buying up all the good graphics cards for Bitcoin mining. Yeah. I, I ate a bit of a downgrade on that i got a 1060 instead of a 1080 oh well not anymore you, you i remember shipping you what was it 1070 uh, 2070 no that that was that was the 1060 really i shipped you a 1060? It was a while ago it was a while ago when they were still good oh uh, yeah now it's starting to starting to show its <laughs> age matt ripped you off <laughs> That didn't rip me off. Yeah, oh, if it was in that micro center, then nobody had that <laughs> shit. Yeah, I, I I bought it with um with my secret sauce uh, uh employee discount. So I now, saved a few uh, bucks. Yeah. Now that whole industry is is taking a hit because fries is closing down. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, fry, fries fries was garbage anyway. It's it was a <laughs> micro center competitor. <laughs> I don't even know what Micro Center is. A big, big box computer store in in America. The one that Matt was at, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The they're they're like fries, but better. 
Man, this podcast has gone so long. That was where Matt was when he started. I was like coming out of teaching. Yeah. To, to Japanese children. All right. Uh, well, like if we're if we're speaking about my my computer hardware starting to show its age, and also me catching up on games everyone else already likes that I am late to the party on. <laughs> uh, after hearing all the praise and the love last week, I did pick up Valheim, and played it all freaking nice. weekend. That, yeah. that game really uh it it clicked in me, and and all of my my time just flew away. Did you get to the second boss yet? Not the second boss. And, okay, and this okay, is okay. where I wanted to start telling my stories because okay. I feel like I, I have <laughs> much slower paced experience than everyone else. All right. So first boss, I knocked out within like three hours extremely easily. I don't mm -hmm. know if this happened to you guys, but for me, the second boss spawned God, like 30 miles away from yeah, home. Yeah, same. We made a trip. It was like a hiking trip. I made a huge trip. Yeah, well, the I, I'm wondering if this is how it's intended. You you read some some clues and some runestones that say, "Thanks for defeating the first boss. Your next clue is deep in the the black forest." Or I think they said your next boss is deep in the black forest. That's what the crow says to you. Mm-hmm. So I go to the black forest and I find a a stone that points me to the boss, and it's in a different black forest that's very yeah. far away. Yeah. So I ended up kind of misinterpreting how the game lays out the biomes and i made a very very long trip to that boss without knowing what i was doing and ended up building a second base as a little mining outpost in a biome that had high level enemies that were one hit killing me <laughs> and it was a good 15 minute sprint away from the home starting base where my big important like like metal smelting buildings were and then i find out at the end after making this 15 minute trip many many times that you can't quickly teleport your metal items so i spent like out of the weekend of playing valheim the entire day saturday was making runs to and from a very very dangerous area with enemies that were killing me trying to to nail this loop that ultimately wasn't wasn't worth the trip when I realized that Valheim actually wants you to not go that far. Yeah, the second boss did spawn very, very far away, but Valheim places the, the biome that has uh, some, of, some of the resources and the metals to get to that boss a lot closer to your home base than that. And I ended up spending untold, maybe like 10 hours um, oh. stretching this process out that I couldn't have in any other case. But by the time I finally got a, a portal network set up to cover that distance. It felt amazing. Like I really, really get sucked into holes sometimes in high level areas and, and high difficulty challenges where when I'm playing a game, I don't just want to complete the goal. I want to complete it under the most arduous, difficult circumstances possible. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I spent... was this solo. Mm -hmm. I tried to get the multiplayer going, but it's a little tricky. Like it's all password protected. Yeah. You either join through someone's friends list or through a password protected yeah. uh, uh, temporary and you or have dedicated to, You server. have to be playing at the same time if you're the one running the server. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is possible to set up a dedicated server, but not, not right now for me, it's not. Yeah, I tried uh, kind of opening it up with the password out there, but, but couldn't get other people to see it on the list. That's because as... your password is insane. They probably were getting the password wrong. The password was insane, Joey. 
I, I need them to be insane. If my passwords aren't insane, then that means people will have a less insane time guessing them. I, mine was just fruits, like apple, pears, <laughs> banana. <laughs> no one ever got in. <laughs> in the age of machine learning, whoever wants to figure out a password can can have have a machine oh go through gosh. the whole dictionary in a, in a second. <laughs> On, on a password it is like <laughs> like a fun elegant refining of of what is a, a very established uh formula it does mm -hmm. feel a little more derivative than i think i was was like ultimately ideally hoping for derivative of what the minecraft survival loop something that i am a fan of other games that i've played that, that i, I, mean, it's I a survival love so game. much sure so it's gonna right aspects of other so i mean they're all kind of ten a penny these days right valheim's really friendly to the player and i think that's why so many people are drawn to it because survival games have always been some sort of you know like painful enticing genre right it's it's difficulty that people can get into but they are painful and the idea is to punish the player and the player is meant to survive whereas valheim's like hey bro take your time yeah, pretty. food is not necessary. Food is like buffs your your health and stuff yeah. like that. Like it's a an incentive to eat. I like that. I like that because uh, like you you start out with something like what a cap of twenty five HP, and then after eating two good cooked food items, that rises to ninety. Like yeah. that's a difference of like almost five times, and like four and a half or something. So like a meat, a tail, and a berry. And it's not overly complex where you're making like recipes and shit and you're like, yeah. maybe I'll have 60 HP if I cook myself a fucking curry. Like it's not <laughs> overwhelmingly complex either. Yeah. I, I appreciate that actually because I want to eat, but it is a simple way of, of making you want to eat. But you, you are going to need that later on. I don't know if you guys reached the plains and the swamp biomes, but there are enemies in there that one hit KO you. And that's, I, I, I think what... What armor do you have? They were chewing through the armor and I'd have to... What, what armor do you one. have? I, I, at the time I encountered these enemies, I was, I was wearing either rag or, or leather yeah, armor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after these enemies, I can now <laughs> upgrade to, to better stuff. The difficulty curve ramps way the heck up if you get to these biomes. And I think that's one thing that's happening to me, is that I'm playing a, a harder a harder loop than other people because I accidentally made my second home way too close to these high level areas where <laughs> you are going to have to eat food. Otherwise you'll get one hit by the mosquitoes flying around these places. I, I kid you not. There is a mosquito enemy that will one hit you unless your belly is full of food with, with some clothes on your, on your person. <laughs> Turns out I did not need to go that far because the, the relevant biomes are placed closer to home. And yeah, up, unless you do that thing I did, it does walk you through the loop a lot faster than than some other games. There was not as much downtime until I georged myself into a high level area. Yeah, uh, we didn't build our home next to that portal. We went to a clearing, built it like some nice romantic area so we can wake up together. <laughs> That's cute. You, you want you want it next to water. I like how, yeah. how they want you sailing across the whole map like in Minecraft. Yeah. And and one of the revelations I found out when I uh, planted my second home on almost another continent was that it's actually way faster to just run across the land. Yeah. Some situations. I, I uh, made one run back and forth to my mining base by by just kind of 
pointing the boat in one direction and then going to the kitchen and making dinner. And when I came back, the boat was halfway there. <laughs> so I've been playing a game that I've been waiting six years for. Whoa. But it didn't come out on my, the one I wanted it to come out. It didn't come out on PC. So I, oh. uh, I gave up. You gotta wait harder. Wait harder. Nope. I, be, I, be a patient I have gamer. no, I have no patience. Six years, dude. Six years I waited to play this game. So I was like, you know what? I want to play this. So I grabbed it. <laughs> it's a PlayStation Hits. So it was like 20 bucks. I've been playing Bloodborne. <gasps> You've, n- oh. I, I, I feel like I've played Bloodborne with you before. No. Is this actually your first time through Bloodborne? Yeah. So oh my the God. first time That's... I played Bloodborne, I bought it, right? Way back. This is years ago. I played like the first area and be like, whoa, what the fuck is wrong with this fucking FPS? <laughs> it's so shitty. <laughs> and then I got robbed. I got robbed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With yeah. the Bloodborne inside of it. And I just never bought it back. <laughs> oh, no. Hell fucking yeah, though. Yeah. So I'm all um, ready to talk about this. Yeah. So Bloodborne, my God. I wonder why I like their spinoff games, and I don't like Souls games that much. Their spinoff games are so much like Sekiro and Bloodborne are so much more, I don't know, has like that special sauce. And the Souls games feel so plain compared. And not to say Souls games are bad, it's just like, it's just it's like missing that sauce. I just love seeing them do something different. It seems. I seems yeah. like it's nice. It's it's not like the the Death Stranding types of games where they they're going off of the the, the code, um, the, the Metal Gear, and and they're making like weird games. But this is like this is nice, man. The voice acting is actually quite weird too, which is mm. I I really wonder how they localize their games or is it made only for english people is there like a a japanese dark souls and bloodborne and all that yeah of course i mean they're made by japanese studios so it all start out the story starts out in japanese for sure right so it's japanese first yeah 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 yeah. dark souls 3 came out like two weeks before it came out in the west in japan the way they do the voice acting doesn't seem like the regular the regular localization like this is like it reminds me of like a uh haiku haiku and agresco like like they change it based on i just don't see the same type of twang you know coming out of a japanese person as i recall sekiro was in japanese in all the markets right like uh, maybe they yeah I I did having it did having this voice acting as a, a you could turn on but yeah that's that's samurai the samurai era that's fine that's that works you know that's different from Bloodborne maybe they they changed the writing to to reflect the setting because this yeah. is supposed to be like like Western and Victorian so yeah yeah it's good. It's good. I, I like Bloodborne. Bloodborne's <laughs> fantastic. So Bloodborne is, good. is like the, the game really of the generation. Good. It's so good. So how far did you get in your first run six years ago when you got robbed? I'm, 
like first boss didn't get far at all. Yeah, that's like opening area. So so the big furry so, beast. The big furry beast, yeah. The the cleric beast. I so I um I didn't get a chance I bought it this weekend, but I didn't get a chance to really play. I played a lot yesterday for this podcast. I was like, all right, time to sit down and play this game for real. I got all so the way good. up to I just beat the three Three, oh, three the dudes. Yarnum Guardians. Yes, Ghosts yes, of Yarnum. Ghosts of Yarnum. Ghosts of Yarnum. Gosh, um, what a I cool have been name. destroying this game. This game is not as hard as Sekiro at all. No, it's not. It yeah. is so yeah. easy compared. <laughs> I'm, I, I don't want to say it like that. I don't want to say it like that. But, but like this, it, it's it's pretty. Yeah, in retrospect, maybe. No, Sekiro was. It was difficult. This game is not that difficult. I beat the the, the no, old I'm, guardians. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, the old guardians. I beat them first try. First try. All you have to do is literally sit back, kill the samurai first, and then go to the other one. Then go to the other one. Once you kill one, it's a lot easier to handle two enemies in three. You know what I'm saying? Like, funny how this works. Because w- when it first came out, Bloodborne was people had a real hard time adjusting to the the lack mm. of a shield. People had a hard time with Bloodborne for the reason why I really like it, which is. Bloodborne is the antithesis to Dark Souls. It rewards yeah. aggressive play. Yeah. It's why I suck at Dark Souls because my impatience gets the better of me. Whereas Dark Souls players are, you know, passive, waiting, shields, parrying. Whereas Bloodborne is straight up like, we will give you health back if you attack. <laughs> and you're like, okay then. And <laughs> you just risk yeah. everything. But it gives you, it rewards you for doing so. And I think that's why I like Bloodborne so much. Alongside, I think the combat is much more enticing to me. Yeah. Like the, 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 the gun parry and everything. Oh, God, it's so the, good. The, the gun's the done. Uh, yeah, it's great. Fucking flipping shit. And how, how you can you can press the transform button in the middle yeah. of a combo and I it know. will turn oh. into an attack instead of just the transform. I was playing this game. I was like, man, from software knows how to make fucking games, man. Sekro was good, even though it was fucking hard as balls. And this this game was just like, damn. I was like, damn, why did they even make it Dark Souls this whole time? I was like, this is <laughs> this is what they should be making. I was so it, it's it's it like grabs you in. It grabs you in and it holds you. So it's like, yes, this this is the universe that we're making. It's like, oh, and I going through the snake forest and shit, and the way they set that up to make you feel like. And the every time there's some fucking snake, yeah, it's just like a password. Yeah, fucking. Uh, oh I I love the the environmental storytelling in Bloodborne. Yeah. Like I think that's that's also at a high point of of the series when uh when you have memorable, interesting characters who who stick out in your mind just from one line like that. The yeah. password. <laughs> you open a door and he's dead. I, I remember that guy, password guy, having a fairly interesting backstory explained in the item descriptions that matches up with the, the revelation of the door creaking open and, and he's just, just a, a skeleton and how there are cutscenes mentioning password guy in between the line if you read the subtext of the cryptic written uh, lines. Like, it was nicely striking that balance. I kind of got the feeling with Dark Souls 2, but liked it better in Bloodborne, where I was actually able to comprehend the story. Yes, yes, and I think that's part of why I like it. Is like there's just a lot of there's a lot of talking, and like it's not just so abstract as the Dark Souls series. Like we just like what the fuck is going on? 
you know, you just play the game just to play the game. This one, it's the balance. you're knocking on people's doors and they're talking about the hunt and all this shit. Like, get away from me. <laughs> you think I'm going to open the door in a, in a time of a hunt? <laughs> this is like. That's, that's what they say. That's how and they, they cack, The way they cackle, the way they laugh. Like, it's just the way the enemies talk it's to very you. It's like, creepy oh, old English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like there's so much to it. It's good. <laughs> and it adds that scariness because those lamps are very far. That's where the difficulty is. The lamps are very far apart sometimes. If you, you have to you gotta explore everywhere to make sure you open up those ways to get back to the lamp. Yeah, it's definitely not as interconnected. It, it, I mean, the starting area is really interconnected. Yeah. In, yeah, in yeah, very yeah. Dark Souls kind of manner. But the entire in terms of the whole game, it's definitely not as interconnected, means that you know, opening shortcuts and getting back to lamps and stuff like that is not as easy as it is maybe in Dark Souls to get to bonfires. You're going and through stuff whole like areas. Yeah, exactly, right. And you're just like, okay, where's the fucking lamp? Because I have thirty thousand souls that I do not want to lose. <laughs> I need to bank <laughs> this shit. Yeah, because like every like the stuff that I die to is like me not knowing what's gonna happen. I get stuck on some type of fucking wall or some shit. Like ah, yeah, get stuck on some 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 gravestone or whatever it is, and just get mauled by like twenty dogs <laughs> or some shit like that. Like that that's the stuff that kills you. The stuff that you just cannot guard from, you know, because you don't you don't have a shield. And why why are you gonna use a shield anyway? Wooden shield. There is definitely like there is a moment when where that gets game hard. gets hard for yeah. me, and I can't remember exactly where it is, but. It's definitely after you pass basically the start the gothic areas and then you go through the forest and what's the thunder beast called? Uh, forget, oh, is it the pale yeah, beast? Yeah, I haven't reached the thunder beast yet. The oh, maybe it's the pale beast or whatever it's called. And um, this fucking pseudo wolf, the one with the pendant, screaming all the time. That guy, that woman, maybe. And he summons like thunder and electricity and stuff. No. No, I haven't found right, that one okay. yet. Yeah, that's gonna. Oh God, I should totally know who. I can't remember. Is it the Pale Beast? I can't remember who that's called. People are gonna be screaming right now. Are, are you but... talking about the 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 Ice King on top of the um <laughs> the Ice Castle? Oh no no no. Oh yeah, no, you're right. That it's like around there when you get to the freaking far the icy snowy place where it, it gets a bit difficult. Kanehurst. Kanehurst was the name of the castle. Kanehurst, the freaking castle. Oh man. Dark Beast Pearl. That's who I'm thinking of. Oh yeah, that guy is hard until you learn the tricks. I I The Blue Lightning. Can't believe. Like of, of all the games to come out this whole gen, that's the one so far that I think I like have memorized to an obsessive level. I love the heck out of it. With, with with Dark Beast Pearl, you want to get behind his front paws. I think I might actually buy the DLC for this thing. The uh the old hunters DLC Matt is fucking hot <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is tough i actually think some of the dlc the dlc for bloodborne is some of the hardest like from software stuff that exists really and mm. that game that game is pretty tough yeah i don't know if i'm i'm i'm, I'm in for a sekiro i, I like how he i still right <laughs> think i like sekiro better yeah but it's hard. Where, where literally you do not have to think about attributes. You just like get like weapons and shit. I can't get over it. like the combat in Sekiro is like like it's ma- it's a masterpiece. 
<laughs> like Bloodborne is so much fun to play, whereas Sekiro is maybe not Posture. fun, but it's so satisfying, right? Because once you get to that skill level where you understand what you're going to do in the skills, I, I feel like with Sekiro and what I said when it came out is that, you know, I felt personally like I wasn't getting bullshitted like I do in Dark Souls because I was inputting and executing those skills like I would a Bayonetta or a Vanquish or something like that that is going to respond to what you want, right? I felt like Sekiro was that flexible and malleable in, in its combos. And once you learn how to do those things, you're like some sort of ninja samurai god. Um, whereas Bloodborne is still a bit like Dark Souls, but it's just more fun because you just fucking stun everything with a gun, switch your weapon and just cane it in the head. I feel like it's like it's it's faster. the 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 motion of your character is just better, in terms of, not better. I shouldn't say better, but different in a way of like everything is quick. You know, Dark yeah. Souls is a very slow paced, just like yeah. Um, and you like you have your shield and you're shooting, and it, I feel like um, Bloodborne is definitely in between the whole Sekiro and dark souls like it's in between yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. like it's not it's not completely like the same i definitely prefer both of them to the souls games personally sekiro like i feel like it's a game where <laughs> you you can't just pick that up again you know you can't just pick that up for me i can't pick that up again i have to relearn that game again because that's like muscle memory yeah that's that's what i mean right like it takes it takes that skill because the yeah, the posture damage and everything. You need to learn everything. Whereas Bloodborne is that pure fun. You just jump in and you're like, fuck yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, because yeah. the posture stuff, man, on some of those bosses, I keep thinking about the, 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 the boss on top of that tower. Both of them. <laughs> There's two of them. You know, where, where the guy starts doing the lightning attack and stuff like that. And it's just like, what? What are you doing? No. <laughs> And it's so hard to see where you're supposed to duck under. You have to like, you have to roll with faith. You know what I'm saying? To dodge that attack. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) it literally is. You have to dodge with faith. Like it's, it's nothing. It's uh, I I feel like we're just one parallel timeline away from the Dark Souls series being described as like games where you roll with faith. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like it. I like it. Uh, oh, and this is the Blood, this Bloodborne's is, excellent. I, this is like the first game that I actually understand this the skill uh, the stat system. Like I understand how it works. It, it's a little simpler. There's yeah. slightly less room for for builds there than in a Souls game. I'm, but uh, I'm, Blood I'm okay Tinge. With that. <laughs> Blood tinge is the one you want to ignore for now, but pay attention to for your replay. You'll find some blood tinge weapons kind of later in the game that are tied to the stat. They're really, really fun to use, but your first playthrough, you should not. I'm I'm holy blading right now. I'm doing. Yeah, of course uh, you are, Ludwig. Yeah, big. Yeah, yep, big. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's just too strong. That's just way too strong. For for your replays, check out the whip. The whip is really fun. It doesn't do that. That's my favorite. The chain whip is amazing. I love it so much. It it doesn't do super high damage, but if you like love that that dodge and like a nice smooth attack animations, the whip is is a blast. I would like like a scythe and stuff too. That would be nice. 
but I haven't got any of those cool weapons yet. The cane is amazing. Every like, oh god, all the weapons in that game are brilliant. I I really like the hunter axe. To be honest, I would have went to the end of the world with the hunter axe, but <laughs> the hunter axe is how I first played through. The hunter axe yeah. is easily like the go-to safety weapon. Yeah. Super safe, dude. Super safe. So I think at this point in my life, I'm I'm conceding that that I I think I play games for environmental art, as as maybe like my my number one or number two concern over combat. I play games more for environmental art over over the combat, and I think that's why Bloodborne is is at the top of the list for me. Is that I find it the most beautiful of, of all the, the Soulsborne games. Like it nails that whole thematic motif of them exaggerating what Japanese people would think looks cool in Western architecture. That Ain Orlando idea where you're walking around as a tiny small ant of a whole city made out of giant stone cathedrals is like Bloodborne from beginning to end. The game does a lot of really cool things with classic kitschy Halloween tropes that seem corny and childish. Even in something like Valheim, the, the skeleton warriors look a little cartoony. In Bloodborne, if there's like a witch or a bat or something, they, they're disgusting. They're dripping in goo. They're cackling with some kind of guttural, blood-curdling noises. Oh, the art, the art and the aesthetics of that game really, mm -hmm. really stimulate me in a fantastic way. Every Halloween, I play a few hours of Bloodborne because of how it nails those those halloween aesthetics the way the clothes move the blood drenched ah, clothes the trench coats. as well mm. oh, it's so good it's real mm. it's tasty dude it's tasty the art team in that game just had an absolute love affair with gothic victorian vampire hunter classic horror bram stoker i remember with like my second month in japan i went to osaka to watch a Japanese metal band called Deer and Gray play in their hometown. And I remember going to Space Station in Osaka. You know Space Station, don't you, George? The the gaming bar. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, now, yeah, exactly know what you're doing. I remember having my mind blown because the dude who was drinking there was the guy who was in charge of the, uh, the Blood Starved Beast's fur. He was like the visual effects artist for the fur for the Blood Starved Beast. And that blew my mind. That was like my second month here in Japan. Fur, flowers, grass. I want to say something, though. The, the one thing I absolutely hate about this game <laughs> is the frame rate. What? Yeah. So it's still bad, huh? Is that? What the fuck is that? I mean, it's still 30. Dude, so supposedly they call it frame rate pacing issues or some shit like that. I don't know what the fuck that means. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that means. But listen, like it's it's bad and it dips. Uh, if you're on the original PS4, it dips below thirty, no doubt. Oh, no quite frequently. Fucking, yes, it's so ridiculous that. I'm still able to play like it doesn't affect me too much when it comes down to bosses and stuff like that, like when it matters, which is quite interesting. It's quite maybe the game was built around its issues. Maybe yeah. I've just been getting lucky until I until it gets really hard. And then I'm like, oh, I fucking hate this frame rate. It's bad, guys. It's bad. I don't understand how this, I don't. 
<laughs> I understand how people don't complain about this. It's really that bad. I mean, they did. <laughs> they did at the time. People still love this game, but it's like the frame rate is almost it almost it's almost unplayable. It's almost there. It's still better than launch. Like it's still it, it's got to be better than how you remember it at least. Right, right. I'm still just holding hope that we'll have that 60 frames Bloodborne upgrade PS5. That would be sweet. It is not better how I remembered it. It's not. Even the person I was playing with, she was like, my eyes hurt. Like, is there something wrong with the... I was like, yeah, it's fucking jittering. It's fucking It's the frame rate going. She's like, I thought it was crazy. I thought it was crazy because I have my laptop that I've been playing on there is like a nice 144 hertz monitor. So when she looked at that, she was just like, oh, no. Oh, no. And she doesn't play like that. She doesn't know monitors. And, and she saw that shit. It's just, that's how bad it is. That when regular, regular people, regular gamers, just regular games can see that shit or not into monitors and getting the best, you know, fucking millisecond and shit like that. When they can realize it, you know it's yeah. bad. Maybe that's the solution. Maybe that's how we can get all the gamers to stop bickering over the small minutiae of, of frame rates and resolutions. Instead, just uh, instead of the minutiae, let's test the, the normies. Uh, if the normies notice <laughs> it, then that only then are you allowed to complain. I'm comparing it because I'm, I'm a little bit of a monitor snob, but like, I just want a, a, a smooth 30. That's all I want. It's a smooth 30. Like, I'm okay. I'll play 30, 30 FPS games. That's, that's fine. I would like my 60, but just a smooth, stable 30. That's all I care about. There are so many mid-2010s era pundits who are, who are furiously typing up comments right now. I can hear them. Oh, they can, they can type all they want. The frame rate shit. <laughs> so you're saying that you love eating shit is yeah. is was what you love eating your 30 frames per second. I am dealing with it because the game is good <laughs> and I want to upgrade my weapon one final time to see how much damage I can get out of it. Um, oh, yeah. uh, stay away from the, the procedural dungeons. Oh, what are they called? The deeper dark dungeons, the chthonic dungeons, the oh, underground. Oh, like the, the chalice dungeons. Chalice dungeons, yeah, yeah. That's the one one part of this game that is not actually fantastically built as a sublime masterpiece of video game. The one part of Bloodborne that you do want to ignore are the chalice dungeons. You don't you don't got to do those. Oh, really? The yeah. What are they? What? Uh, they're procedurally built. They kind of have a dice bag of Bethesda style dungeon chunks that it snaps together. And you can tell the level design of the beautifully beautiful to look at, beautiful to play. The whole point comes out from from really great level design. And that's just not there in these dungeons. The reward for going through them is not worth it at the end of the whole process. There's some story stuff locked behind there that you're better off reading on the wiki is, is kind of. Yeah, kind I'm of good. The, the gist I'm of the good. Chalice Dungeons chunk of the game. Yeah, I'm good. I'll play the main, the main game. I'll yeah, play the main game. Yeah, yeah. and the yeah. don't don't sleep on the DLC either. Of course. Yeah, that's tough. If you do decide to go with the more exotic weapons on your playthrough, the DLC also has the options to complete that. Yeah, I want that blade. I want the windmill blade thing. Oh, and there's also a giant wheel. Uh, that you yeah. just stomp people with if you go with exotics. <laughs> you just <laughs> smash them with a like wooden cartwheel with spikes on it. What the uh, fuck? 
Good time. Good time. Man, you're playing like, what was it? Last time I think uh, I got this excited when you were playing through Deus Ex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you're playing through some of the best games ever here. I expected you to be more excited, to be honest. I thought you were going to scream a little bit. I this this, this well, is it's excited, like, George. Now this is you this know is I drank years. my coffee an hour ago. It's still morning for me. I gotta. <laughs> I should I should stream these things because you should try and stream Bloodborne. I talk a lot of shit because then the frame rate of Twitch will match <laughs> nicely. Just mm. just to show my playstyle on these games, shared experience. Heck yeah! But yeah, we've we've got on for a while, and and we still got more. We still got Wait, more. I, yeah, I wanted to dive in and just say, well, Loop Hero finally came out. How's how's the yeah. full game? Great. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I haven't really... That's it. What was great is my demo progress carried on over into the full release. Always nice. I still haven't beat Sans, the first world boss, but I tell you what, I'm learning more every day in that game, and... It is good. It is very, very good. And I'm starting to see, like, you can see some Twitter threads and Resetera threads about people really starting to unravel the pieces of this game and how pretty insane it is. I just can't stop playing, man. It is a hell of a good time. It's, it like, I've been asked to play Valheim a few times this week, and I've just kind of been like, I'm gonna play Loop Hero for a bit instead. And then I play Loop Hero for, like, two hours before going to bed. And... But I haven't progressed really more mechanic-wise compared to the demo. So I'm hesitant to be like, oh, well, it's way better than the demo because it is exactly what the demo was, really. But I'm having a great time. And it's still a great game. Definitely one of the best releases so far this year. Uh, I can't wait to play more. Yeah. I wanted to play some tonight, but I didn't finish work until really, really late. And then I was like, damn it, it's podcast time already. But I actually might wake up early tomorrow so I can play it. Does the the basic gameplay loop get any any different in the full game compared to what we did in the demo? Um, so I've started noticing that the more you unlock, I have unlocked like the herbalist and I've unlocked the smithy and, you know, I start with gear faster. I have I can last longer because I have like health potions and stuff now, which changes what your sort of goals are. Right. You start learning about the different resources that you can gather and how you get them. Right. So if you want to unlock certain things or upgrade certain houses or huts, you know, you'll be like, okay, I need like this precious metal and I need 10 shitty metals to make one precious metal. So I need to make lots of mountains and then I'll focus on putting things closer to mountains that output mountains, like the treasury or chrono, uh, what's it called? Chrono glass, whatever the hell it's called, those things. And then you start learning about the the intricacies of putting certain tiles next to other I'm definitely starting to learn more about the actual world composition that you build. Like laying lots of the same tile next to each other means it sort of transforms over a while. If you lay lots of grove tiles next to each other, yes, you're going to spawn like lots of werewolves, but you're also going to grow like a really big marsh that gains more resources and treasure and, and all that kind of thing. There's a lot of like hidden details in this game that I don't think people have really figured out yet. Or I'm not that I'm seeing, but it's definitely enticing yeah it's good stuff i gotta give it a try there's a demo i think i had the demo yeah definitely try the demo first because you know i've definitely bumped it up to times two speed now because i just want to go through the loop get some resources and do stuff and then optimize that kind of thing um so yeah i definitely think you should be speeding it up a little bit and uh yeah what is the goal what's the goal of this game to rebuild the world it's it's interesting. Rebuild the world. 
you you don't get like new weapons or anything like that, right? It's not like an RPG. It's you you do like there is an RPG. It's just you don't control the combat. You kind of control the map design. Your hero automatically adventures oh. through. Oh really? Interesting. That's why you put it on two X. <laughs> yeah, I want to sit through stuff I can't actually influence. Like, like I've heard it's closer to Factorio or or the Zactronic games. It definitely becomes like yeah, it definitely becomes like about optimizing and gathering resources just in a really unique way where you're basically protecting what is your little digger. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, I, I, like Lemmings, your, your character's already set on a course for destruction. You want to build some ramps to steer them away from the worst of it. It's good stuff. Okay. Shit. Big fan. I'm enjoying it. I wanted to uh, mention, am I saying this right, Liam? Haiku? Am I saying that? The volley- volleyball anime? Yeah, yeah. Haiku, yeah. Haiku. Haiku. Yeah. With a Q. There's some anime dubs that are just a step above. <laughs> and this is one of them. This is one of them. You're a big I fan of the just, old dubs, aren't you? Yeah, see, I watched this dub and I was just like, I was very impressed. Like, just like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> they like nailed some of the characters really well. And then I watched Demon Slayer. Kimetsu no Yaiba. And that dub wasn't as good. And it just made me appreciate how much, like, how on point resco and haiku is it's like it's pretty fucking dope man like they the point that they change the dialogue to kind of fit you know the audience oh yeah it's pretty freaking it's there's something about anime like this that's just it's comfy it's real it's relaxing to watch you know an inspiring volleyball team with some cool, you know, moments of hypeness. It's lame at some point, you know, friendship and togetherness, but it's fun to watch, man. So I'm saying, if you want some comfy, that that might be might be something to to watch right there. What 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 is Haikyuu about? This is a volleyball anime. It's, it's a volleyball manga, essentially. Yeah. So so sports. They're, sports. They're following sports. Uh, sports sports drama. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like sports anime. <laughs> I watch all of Prince of Tennis, and if you know how many episodes those are, you'll be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> oh, Prince <laughs> of Tennis was super dope, super dope. And at the end, it got ridiculous for people who ever got to the end. It got ridiculous, and I love it for it. So I'm expecting the same for IQ, which will probably won't happen, but expecting the same and 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 I, i'm looking it up i see it's uh, about boys volleyball in, in particular mm-hmm. yeah there's, there's some girl volleyball in there but yeah volleyball is huge in japan it's uh it's big it's big sport really so yeah volleyball especially especially female volleyball in japan oh really yeah it's yeah really oh, quite, quite well, you can't just say it like that i mean japan has <laughs> Japan has no, but like you think train of Japan is dedicated to only women, so like for a reason. Like you can't just say no, but like uh, in terms of sports, in terms of sports, like male and female <laughs> sports are maybe not uh, reflections of each other, right? Like okay, Japanese males are good at baseball and soccer traditionally. Okay, women in Japan tend to be playing either softball, tennis, or volleyball, which is quite popular. So, a lot of 
Japanese women who play volleyball are actually some of the best in the world. Also, Jap- actually, Japanese soccer team, the the women's soccer team in Japan is actually quite a has been quite a successful team in the past as well. But um, volleyball is quite a big sport in Japan. People don't realize like baseball and volleyball in Japan are massive. Jeez, I'm watching some of their games now. Like their serves are like ridiculous. <laughs> <Holy> yeah, <shit. laughs> it's crazy. Damn, they the anime is actually like legit the same shit. What the fuck? <laughs> I never <laughs> thought to look it up, but yeah, I'm watching these, these these Japanese players on in the World Cup, and Yuji, monster of vertical jump, like guy jumps really fucking high <laughs> and slams it down from like half court half oh, no. court jesus christ all right anyway sorry i got lost in the volleyball so i'm gonna have to watch that later <laughs> that's nuts man that's freaking nuts so i've never got into haiku but i remember very clearly when i moved to japan two things were like the big things of course like now in japan it's demon slayer right kimetsu no yaiba but two things were massive when I moved to Japan. Yokai Watch and Haikyuu. And Haikyuu <laughs> was the big anime at the time. It was like yeah. the first series um, based on the manga. And it was fucking everywhere. It was yeah. everywhere when I moved here. Um, and then it sort of, I think it went on hiatus. And then the, most recently they brought it back with a new season. But yeah, like it was massive. Yeah, it, they take long breaks. I don't, I don't know if we're going to... I'm on season three right now, and there's four seasons. Yeah, so season four just came out, like, last year, I think? Yeah, like, last year. Like, yeah. all of last year. It was, it's like, episode every month or some shit like that. It was mm. weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so there it is. Haikyuu, a volleyball anime. It's good. <laughs> I, 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 I like to watch it every once in a while, just, like, before I go to sleep. You know, just like I did with Mushishi. Sit back and slap some balls. Slap some wow. balls. Everyone uh, loves to see that. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Hayaku. I also watched an anime about boys. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> you watched Seriously? an anime? Yeah, I, I watched a, a 90 minute Bible Black? No. 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 <laughs> you know, I would be like, oh, I know what Bible Black is, but it's. 2021. I feel like everyone listening <laughs> everyone at this point, knows, a, everyone knows what Bible yeah. Black. <laughs> I watched an anime that sounds not that much better at first first sight. It's called Saint Onisan, okay. and it is <laughs> a similarly lightweight, soothing slice of life, uh, feel good, comfy bedtime anime about Jesus and Buddha being <laughs> roommates living together in Tokyo. Uh, who are lightly gay-coded friends? They they go on cute little dates to Tokyo Disneyland. They they attract uh some gangs of of troublemaking uh, uh Majora's Mask bomber style kid miscreants who who shoot them with rubber band guns. But miraculously, the rubber bands snap on their way to their targets around uh, Jesus and Buddha whenever anyone's trying to, to mess up their days. There's there's some Yakuza gangsters who follow them around with a comical amount of devotion. And a lot of like pleasant chuckles happen. Like a lot of the jokes will be 
these uh, cute little pleasant chuckles that happen after like a good three, four minutes of buildup. And a lot of the jokes, I don't want to say necessarily land all the time. A lot of it seems to have gotten lost in translation, or, or maybe it falls flat on the original intended artist too. It's hard to tell sometimes. But the ones that I at least did get a good chuckle of were jokes that involved them going on crazy thrill rides at, at Tokyo Disneyland, which they call Tokyo USA Land. And, and when they look at their <laughs> pictures from the roller coaster after they get back, everyone is shouting with their arms in the air, except Buddha, who's like got his hands together and has an extremely stoic, calm looking face. There's also jokes about just how chill of a roommate Jesus is. No matter how much shit you try to to give this guy, no matter how frustrating and annoying you try to be, he'll he'll look back and say something like, "Your greed and evilness has truly made my life better. Thank you for being a part of it." Yeah, it's it's cute, laid back, uh, funny from how ridiculous of a situation it's it's depicting in the first place is. And you know, I enjoyed myself even if it didn't land all the time all the way totally it was interesting seeing uh seeing what what a situation like that that's borderline edgy offensive sacrilegious humor in the west is is like feel good pg rated fun for the whole family like comedy about chill nice pleasant dudes and and in japan and anime form it was it was fascinating sounds nice <laughs> yeah it sounds so interesting what the fuck, Jesus and Buddha? Yeah, definitely interesting. Like, like even even though uh, we weren't chuckling throughout the whole way through, there there were some some good laughs in the beginning and the end, and then just pure interesting the whole way through. I like the art style; looks nice. One of the things that I thought was really really funny is that I never noticed how long Buddha's ears are until this anime. I, I went back and like Googled that. I was like, why are Buddha's ears so long? And as it turns out, statues of Buddha have long ears this whole time, and I never really noticed. There, there's some gags involving uh, the, the hair, like the Buddha hairstyle that you see on the statues, where it's like kind of matted, like a quilted textile pattern almost, that uh, I, I guess also might stick out to you more if you grow up around statues of the guy your whole life since childhood. A lot of fun Japanese pronunciations of the biblical terms. Uh, the, <laughs> there's, there's a Yakuza guy who asks, like, how, how Jesus got out of jail for just three days and where, where they pinned him up. And he replies with, like, Golugaturu for, for Golgotha. And the other thing is that Buddha, have we been pronouncing Buddha wrong this whole time? Because in, in this anime, they say Buddha. They they make sure that the H in Buddha is is pronounceable and hearable, but uh, I don't know. I've always heard it Buddha as if it's B U D D A H Buddha, rather than Buddha, like they say in the anime. Buddha. It's almost two words, Buddha. 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 It's probably just how the katakana is pronounced. Are you watching in Japanese or a dub? Oh, it was definitely Japanese. This thing did not officially Buddha. get a Western uh, re-release or, or a Western release at all. Uh, it's like um um Thermai Romai. Like apparently it's it's fairly popular in Japan, but a lot of mm. the the humor I guess is is just so hard to translate that I doubt we'll ever see it in official capacity. But yeah, this was this was a fan translation that uh I don't think was was too diligent about explaining every single thing for the audience cuz cuz there was a lot that that me and my buddy just did not understand. <laughs> Who was the Jesus and who was the Buddha out of the two of you? 
that actually might be a fun dimension of watching this that I hadn't considered before is is maybe that's like a fun discussion that the viewers of this are supposed to be going through like ah, I'm Jesus no you're not you're Buddha <laughs> <laughs> like chocolate and peanut butter on Bojack Horse <laughs> uh. I don't know what their personalities are like so you'd have to tell us who is Buddha and who is Jesus here George well, they're both comedically chill about everything that the stresses of Japanese life in Tokyo throws at them, and that's where a lot of the humor comes from. Okay, so that's definitely me and Matt, then. Between the two of them, Buddha is supposed to be obnoxiously thrifty. He will freak out if if he finds an end-of-the-day grocery store sale. So that's you. I, I, yeah, yeah, but I just, I wish I had these guys chill. <laughs> Jesus is is a little more loose, a little more uh, uh, wild and, and outlandish. And <laughs> when they ride on the roller coaster, he's throwing his arms up with the rest of the guests. Aw, that Good sounds like it. Jesus. Matt's Matt's probably Buddha. I want to say <laughs> the, the quiet, collected one of the two. No, <laughs> that's what you know me as on this podcast. And um... <laughs> he's a deviant. In real life. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. Deviant. Some people will definitely disagree with you over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, George, are you going to finish it? Oh, yeah. There's not much to go through. Thankfully, it's just 120 minutes right now. So I, I technically right. did finish St. Onisan. You know, I didn't read through the manga like with Thermai Romai, but, but I did see the whole two episodes they stitched together into a 90 minute sequence, basically. Fair enough. Well done. You finished something. Congratulations. We'll be we'll we'll be right back after a quick break. Sonic the high-speed hedgehog is back in the fast lane. By day, he runs rings around the world. But when night falls, things get a little hairy. Sonic Unleashed. The difference is night and day. Welcome back. Hello. Uh, we're here to talk about some news this week, and Hi. the stories that I have for us, Hello. thankfully, aren't quite as uh, big as, uh, as as last week. The big news story seems to be the uh, corroborated rumors coming out about the uh, intended, implied, um, the, the, the analog of what would be a Switch Pro. Uh, this, this has been a big, a big rumor that's been circulating around pretty much over the course of the entire lifespan of the Switch. But now it seems like the rumors are starting to come out of more, uh, authoritative sources. Bloomberg posted a, um, story citing people familiar with the matter. Uh, that triggered some other outlets like Tom's Hardware to come out with other stories from information they were supposedly sitting on that they now feel comfortable releasing. Yeah, Switch Pro, apparently, according to these media people, is actually in the works. This information comes from uh, the, the supply chain of LCD and OLED displays. The source in question is Ross Young, a co-founder and CEO of Display Chain Consultants. They're saying that Samsung has started an order for a manufacturing run of some 7-inch 720p resolution OLED panels, which would match up with the supposed plans for the Nintendo Switch 
Pro, whatever they're going to call it, having a seven inch screen, 6.99 inches technically. <laughs> the presumption is that there's also going to be a better battery life and also a 4K ultra high definition mode for docked gameplay. And that also comes with the the kind of implied red between the lines assumption. I'm just going to leave it as assumption right now that there will also be more processing power in, in the switch. That's the only way that's possible, right? Right. And, unless they're upscaling, unless you're getting a fuzzy pixelated 4K, which that scale I can tolerate. It's definitely going to be that. <laughs> it's definitely going to be not native 4K for sure. So so may, maybe don't expect native 4K. May, maybe don't expect a huge cross gen. Yeah. <laughs> uh I did I did read one comparison saying that it's going to be closer to the Xbox One S than it is the Xbox 360 if you want to make a metaphor with a home console, which sounds fine, I guess. What do you realistically want though? I don't think we can expect that much. I would just like to play Breath of the Wild in 60 frames and upscaled 4K. I'd be fine with that. I would like more current gen ports that like a res a real Resident Evil 7, for example, not the cloud version. Why, though, when you could play it on other? I don't understand why, though. This is what I'm trying to say. Why would you want to play what still would be a subpar version of Resident Evil 7 when you actively have already played it and can play it on other platforms? When Nintendo have been doing a lot of their own stuff on the Switch, that could be improved, right? Or you could be like, okay, whatever Nintendo's doing next, think of, you know, Bowser's Fury that just came out, very nice looking game, but, you know, it's like the frame rate dips and right. you can do a lot more, especially when there's Big Bowser. Like, that's what I want. What I want is Nintendo to bring it out and retroactively patch everything if you own one of those, so then you can play those games in 60 frames. That's what I want. Is this common practice now? This, we're shipping games with frame rate dips? Is this, this regular? I thought consoles are supposed to be perfect. It's not that they're <laughs> shipping with frame rate dips. It's just that that's the power of the Switch, right? But we've seen actively with the leap from Xbox One and PS4 to PS5 and you know Series X, We've seen these patches that come out and then make games, you know, have 4K textures, have better frame rates. Like I think about playing Forza Horizon and stuff like that, playing that on the Series X compared to, you know, whatever version existed prior to that. It's like apples and oranges, completely different things. And I feel like this is not maybe that mega of a step, but the idea that if you purchase the Pro, you can have this better version of Breath of the Wild or Mario Kart or something like that. Games that already stylistically and, you know, art directed in a certain way to get the most out of the power, but then have actually like this boost would be would be super cool. The point is what I'm fairly sure is a common sentiment is that at this point in its lifespan, compared to the competition, the Switch does seem kind of underpowered nowadays. I mean, it, it was underpowered when it came out. <laughs> I was very, very impressed when it came out. I was impressed by what it could do, but it was yeah. still underpowered. You think about what... I, we were just talking about The Witcher 3 and Bloodborne, and yes, Bloodborne has dips, right? But you compare it to other games that came out in 2013, and then the Switch came out four years later. For as impressive as those examples are, there are other examples like 
Resident Evil 7 that show the Switch not being able to keep up there. And and I feel like like they would have to do something, but at the same time, I don't know if I'm ready to throw the Switch out and spend $400 on a whole nother generation either. Mm. Mm. I think I would make the upgrade if Nintendo are like, and it launches day one with a patch for these games. And now you can run these games up to native 4K in better frame rates. Like, Breath of the Wild is an incredible game, but it does suffer from technical limitations, right? Frame rate dips all over the place. There's a lot of pop in. It's quite muddy in places. You sharpen that shit up, and you have a better, just a quality of life experience. Like, I would easily play through all of that game again. And and I guess I'll have to see it to, to believe it. But I'm also wondering if the, the switch over to OLED is going to make handheld mode a little more viable for games. My big peeve, once I, I finished getting so impressed with it in the first place, was that a lot of games aren't optimized for handheld mode. Um, if they have small text or, or busy environmental artwork, a lot of stuff can get hidden in there. And Yeah, yeah. They're still sticking to 720p, and, and I have seen some takes saying that's not that bad, but ultimately I, I think I would prefer a bump for text. So some people were sharing that. Even at 7 inches with an OLED screen, like the, the actual pixel resolution, the DPI, at that size, at 720p, is as representative as like 1440p, so there's not really much point going up a higher resolution at that size, supposedly. Right. And I, I get it. I, I know the implication. The implication is that artwork and still life is going to look fine. The problem is with text, with video game stuff, UI things. A lot of a lot of the games that end up on Switch do not re either resize their UIs or support a high enough resolution for you to be making out some of those small details. Yeah, the transition over from LCD to OLED will help the, the, the viewing angles. So OLED will be a little brighter and crispier. But I I don't know if it's going to manifest in like a big substantial improvement like that that i that i must buy i don't know if you could do a hardware upgrade that would make the text in 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 stardew valley bigger that's that's almost a a problem up more to the the developers than the hardware now uh switch pro apparently that's that really is gonna be a thing later this year supposedly scheduled around september october yeah Mm -hmm. well i mean I wish I could read the story, but it's under a paywall on Bloomberg. <laughs> uh, well, well, I, uh, <laughs> Fuck you, I, I see that you pasted it. Fuck this you, is so weird. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. I'm not going to sit here and complain that they're doing subscriptions now to some of these sites. I'm not going to say and complain. It, it, it's dying that, you know, they need money somehow. You know, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's only, tw- it's only $2 a month. It's not that bad. Are you gonna pay it? But I'm not. I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna read the article, though. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just not gonna read the article. Well, well you you wanna you wanna know a cool George tip? Yeah. Is, uh, you you open up a private window in a different browser, mm. and that'll reset your cookies back to zero. <laughs> aren't you? Aren't you a journalist? Like you can't be taking money away from your people. Like what are you doing? We're talking to the pirate emulator over here. He's you know he's not gonna care. No, like it's at. Uh, 
It technically counts as research skills. In the university, <laughs> they teach you how to bypass the paywalls on, on like JSTOR for, for research article websites. So when you want to learn your latest statistics from Science Journal Magazine, instead of paying the $4,000 institution fee, you, you type in your university's password or... or you would be surprised at the amount of college professors who encourage their students to get on the pirate bay for their textbooks instead of the university bookstore. Yeah, shit's expensive. <laughs> if you want an article a lot of times and it's behind a payroll, if you email the author themselves, they'll send it to you for free sometimes too. I mean that that's more work than that, but yeah, no, it's it's a thing. Everyone involved in in journalism and academia and research does not seriously expect you to buy, buy the paywall all the time every I mean, time. I mean, listen, I am I am no stranger to Pirate Bay. I'm no stranger. Back in the day, do you guys pay for now? Yeah, I do. They made it easier. I don't think I've ever personally paid for. Okay, okay, now now that we've finished getting off the phone with all our Adobe lawyers that we have oh on call in the, in in the so Rolodex under the A section, um, we're, we're just going to quickly shove all of that back into the, the desks and the, the, the secret part of our desks where the drawer has a lock on it and do listener questions instead. Yay, the best people. In case you uh, you haven't heard of it before and, and need a reminder, um, we take listener questions from our inbox at dadandsonspodcast.gmail.com. If you are a Patreon subscriber for five bucks a month, you can also get priority by asking your question in the Patreon channel. We're going to be going through both this week, uh, starting with a guy named Raj A. Raj A says, I recently played through Res Infinite and was only liking it up until the final level. The last level of that game, I think, belongs in a museum. If the rest of the game was that good, I feel like I would have loved Res rather than simply liking it. What games have you played that have specific parts that are massively better than the rest of the game, so much so that you wish the whole game was like that? From a design perspective, is this the byproduct of inspiration outside of the intended creative vision that comes later in the development cycle? This has happened a couple times. I just can't remember which game it was last year. Yeah, it's definitely not something I don't think i can remember it's yeah. there are games there that that do that definitely have given like great first impressions but then do something not or, so great afterwards or there's like a level that's completely different from the rest i remember mentioning it on this podcast but i can't remember oh, which yeah. game it was timefall 2's like time skipping level yeah, yeah, it's yeah so different to everything else in the game and that's amazing but the game is still great but yeah yeah that that is like an outstanding level though I also want to point out that I did a video about the canning level in Edith Finch, mm. where um, you you control a hero going on an adventure with one of your hands, and in the other one of your hands, you're controlling a miserable, repetitive, robotic job of slicing fish up on an assembly line, <laughs> and you got to make sure your character doesn't daydream so hard that they toss their hand in the machine while you're they're distracted. I can't wait for the, the the comments of like, oh, it's Assassin's Creed. No one wanted to play Desmond. Everyone wanted <laughs> to just play the good part. Where he's an assassin. Oh, you know what? We were just talking about FF7. And all I am of the opinion that the three Final Fantasy PlayStation games have much, much better disc ones than uh, and disc two and three tended to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> First disc was uh, quite sexy quite sexy 
Yeah, I, I I'm looking through these games. I guess I haven't put down everything I've played this year, but I don't see which one I'm talking about. I really liked Bravely Default until it made me play the entire game again <laughs> when I thought it was ending. Oh my god! Not a fan of that. Not a fan of that either. When I heard that, I just I wrote it off. <laughs> not a fan. I wrote it off. I actually, I never talked about this, but during when I was on that trip for work last year, I played Octopath Traveler. I played a bunch of that game during that day. I don't think I, we, we ever talked about it. I played a bunch of that game. You start to realize how, like, it's fun, like, for the story of that character. And then you have to stop that story and go to another character. And then stop that story and then go to another character. And there's like this difficulty curve that happens to get to the next chapter. And it's just like, what what are you guys doing? <laughs> it just made me stop. I got all the characters and I was like, I have to grind in order for me to have a good time here. I think for that, the the closed story for each character was actually quite interesting. Well, not all of them, but some of them were quite interesting. But everything outside of that was just like it's kind of sucked kind of kind of was a generic rpg with grinding heavy heavy grinding i gotta say that i'm typically in most resident evil games my funometer starts to kind of plateau and maybe go downhill when it does the the final act thing where you go to a sterile medical laboratory <laughs> bunker and and the enemies turn from nasty surprises that you see around a corner that shock you and uh, kind of spammy shoulder to shoulder packed hallways that are there more to eat into your ammo than, than make you feel spooked and immersed and scared. Resident Evil games tend to start really fucking strong and then plateau towards that third act. But I think that's different from the question. I think. I think that's just like the normal thing with games, right? They they start really good and they end really like shitty, right? Res Infinite is an exception. Well, he's talking about like a specific stage that's just like like a, it's like almost another team made it that's completely different. That was like actually like Dark Souls Two is something that I did a lot of talking with the fans about last week. And there's moments where I feel like Dark Souls 2 gets, gets it, it is, I, I think, the, the underrated black sheep of the series because it has fantastic levels next to very ugly, poorly designed connecting hallways, gluing them together. Mm. Damn. Like I, I really like the design of a lot of spots in that game. I think the Dragon Airy is a highlight of the whole series. But uh, a lot of people will not look past the really shitty elevator on on the way up to completely different levels way earlier in the game, because because uh, those first impressions matter so much in a video game, you know. They do, and that's why this style of games tends to be the best in a lot of a lot of places. <laughs> I, I want to point out that Res Infinite is a case where that last level almost, if I recall correctly from the development story, was built from the ground up for VR as a demo, whereas the rest of Res Infinite was built um, as a VR version of the currently existing Res. So there might also be a case where more creative energy and a completely different creative process went into that last level than, than the rest of Res Infinite. Uh, I mean, yeah. 
I think about Tetris Effect as well, right? Mizuguchi and Tetris Effect's last level is also the best level. So, oh, oh, Legend of Korra. Oh, Legend of Korra did that too. The last level the platinum. Is, is the best level. Mm-hmm. Isn't that game bad though? It's mm-hmm. <laughs> bad. It's bad. And I played through it the whole thing. The last level though was classic platinum. Yeah, and platinum they do tend to be the exception. Platinum games do tend to have really, really hype final Crazy. bosses and final yes. levels. That's how I yeah. like it, man. How I like yeah. it. You guys want to move on to Thomas M's question here? Yeah, let's do it. Do you have an emotional connection to a piece of media that is the result of something happening outside the creator's control? For example, maybe Bird Dimmick is a movie that'll always make you feel relieved because it was the first movie you watched after getting a university graduation. Perhaps the climax of Lord of the Rings happened while your neighbor's car was on fire, and now every time you watch the movie you feel anxious because you remember your neighbor's car being on fire. Can you think of any video games, films, books, etc. that fit this mold for you? Loads. Um, Loads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is life stories right here. Right. Like you, it, it, your life experience is connected to some of the stuff that you grew up with. So I mean, many. Yeah. Like uh-huh. Oblivion. I remember like having, like, this is back then before I got medication and everything for, for uh, periodic paralysis. I would have rolling attacks. And during this time, I played Oblivion on my bed the whole time for like three days straight and beat all the dlc everything and it was like my escape from my prison (laughs) of my body (laughs) for those three days and it was great it was fucking great so so you like feel like it's liberating yeah during that time yeah this is before medication and all that type of stuff but yeah i fractured my foot um and i played paper mario during that whole thing i i fractured my ankle and i played Mm. hearthstone until i got to legendary and quit because it was so stressful but i remember that time when you guys play these games ever since for the rest of your whole life do you now remember the feeling of the fracture i remember xenoblade chronicles 2 because that was when we started dancing i remember that very clearly being one of the first games I talked about on our test episodes that we did uh, before we started the show. And it's become a running joke ever since. Yeah. I remember playing Mario Odyssey during a really rough time yeah. I was having. I, that came out then. Um, and I very associate that. I don't know if games is so much because I feel like games is a dedication, right? Whereas mm-hmm. music, for sure. Yes. Like music is like Absolutely. so powerful. There are songs that take me back to just like a nostalgia trip of like, even like I listen to, of course I've talked about like Korean rap and stuff on the show before. Right. But I talked about that like three or four years ago. And now I listen back to the songs and I think about where I was in Japan at that time, what it was like and like who I was with. Cause Japan changes so fast and so quick that even that feels like a nostalgia trip to think about even then. And I think music is really powerful. There is even YouTube videos that give me that feeling, I think. Yes. Yes. Watching oh, through. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's creepy for me. Yeah, I, it sucks because I, I used to watch a lot of uh, John Tron. I think it's weird <laughs> as fuck. But like um, for games, for me, like it, it was a, f- a form of an escape 
so it's always fond memories when I think about those games, like Oblivion and yeah. Mario and all those games. Yeah, man. I don't think of like, oh, I was break, my foot was broken and blah, blah, blah. I don't think of those things. No, no, no. Like, even though I really liked Oblivion during that time, it was like during that phase in my life, it just was the perfect game to play. If I play it now and it sucks balls, I'm still going to say it sucks balls. Like, I, I don't have some attachment to it like that. Mm. But that's just the way my brain works in that instance. But music, I think I've said this before, like my playlist, I leave it the way it is. I add it to that playlist of what's and whatever is going on in my life. It's like kind of like a a whole phase. You know, when I first started, it was kind of when I started this podcast and, yeah. and the way my music tastes have like gone bouncing around and and changed in that uh, white chocolate playlist that I have on my Spotify. <laughs> white chocolate we, we are your playlist. White chocolate. Yeah, yeah. White I, 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 I have to ask. I, I have to. What, what is your white chocolate playlist, Matt? It's just some. This is my main one. My main playlist. I have all the playlists, but that's like my main one that I put like default. To, what is the first song on. on White Chocolate? Why Why the name? <laughs> Down Girl by Roy Woods. <laughs> That's the first song. I don't I, know I don't why. I don't know what that song. is. I don't really either. Roy, Roy, Roy Woods is pretty good. Um, at least his old stuff was. Um, he sounds like a little bit like Michael Jackson sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah. Um, no, it's just it's just I name all my playlists like I don't know, like um, smooth caramel, you know, just like sweets and <laughs> and and food. So your passwords are fruit. Your playlists are sweets. sweets. Yeah, yeah, I'm a very simple guy. <laughs> do do you guys have smells being imprinted into your video game associated memories? No. Mm -mm. At least I can't think of one. At least okay. I can't think of one. Yeah. When when I was growing up. Uh, Ocarina Time for the N64 is, is one of my favorite games ever and one of the most precious childhood memories ever. And when I was growing up, um, I, I remember the smell of, of the N64 fresh out of the box with that new plastic smell. The game cartridge also came fresh out of the box with the new plastic smell. And I played it like nonstop for the next two weeks until I beat it. And I was smelling that the whole way through. And now whenever I play Ocarina of Time, ever since it's been 22 going on 23 years, I still smell that smell whenever I play Ocarina of Time, like especially the first three dungeons for you um, finish off Jabu Jabu's belly. It just reminds me of what 1998 smelled like in 1998 mm. to me smelled like a fresh new N64 with that, that new plastic smell in a in a oh, new yeah. house my mom had just moved into like that game might be one of my favorite games ever and it might be so hard associated with childhood memory because i felt like when i was playing through it i was immersed with like new things everything was new yeah. like new smells yeah i, I yeah, vividly I remember the smell of that toxic factory plastic <laughs> blowing the cartridge <sighs> everyone's nostalgic about that that's like a classic oh yeah you, you you would put your face on them too so you would know what the smell was like yeah yeah nes yeah. cartridges i don't remember have as much of had as much of an odor to them compared to uh n64 cartridges 
Yeah. Like N64 cartridges had a flavor. I, I remember Super <laughs> Nintendo and NES cartridges being kind of flavorless. <laughs> what is happening here? Oh, George was uh, deep throating these uh, these cartridges. <laughs> How'd you find these things? Nowadays, you don't got to blow on the cartridge anymore. So they added a taste additive to them mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder, though, if, if what I was smelling might have been a, um, because you weren't technically supposed to blow on them. That that was actually bad. That's worse than dabbing them with rubbing alcohol, which is what the manual always said to do ever since the 80s. And I'm wondering if they added a smell to the N64 cartridges to prevent kids from doing that, even though <laughs> I vividly remember that smell. Yeah. And then Majora's Mask came out a couple years later. And when I was playing through the water level in that game, I had a horrible headache. And, and a stomach bug and that water level has a lot of blurry underwater cyclical running around in circles around a video game fan uh, sort of puzzle challenges that made me nauseous and dizzy and, and it made my sickness worse and now it's 20 years later and I get a little bit of a memory of being nauseous and sick every time I play that water level again in Majora's Mask and oh, the Great wow. Bay Temple. Wow. Even the Super Smash Brothers level will kind of remind me of being nine years old and horrifically sick. Maybe my memory is just going, I'm an old man. It gets worse with every year, my friend. I guess worse. <laughs> gotta, you gotta hold on to those with, with diamond hands, baby. Yeah. Sorry, using... Oh man, so so many things start to has to go downhill after thirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Liam's like, yeah. I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> you don't feel it right at thirty. You start to feel it like thirty-one. You're like, hmm, well, something's a little different. Well, I'm almost thirty-one. Yeah, I'm like almost 31, and every, everything was falling apart after I turned 30, and so I'm just dreading the rest. Yeah, yeah. When we get 40, mm-hmm. we're just like, oh, man, my back. My back aches. Uh, my back. Back aches. Yeah, man. Ten more years. <laughs> Ten years until, until those days. Arvidas, <sighs> which I probably butchered, asks, do you think kids should be getting access to games at a younger age? As a citizen of a former Soviet country, I found that getting a PC in my teen years was somewhat beneficial to my basic PC knowledge and today's skills in internet usability. I understand how to install programs with newer market spaces. It should be even easier today, but people are still struggling. What different settings should mean, as in Windows giving you most errors and settings messages only in English and the dictionaries were not helpful. Thanks to Age of Empires, I know how to use a mouse, something that I found very strange in today's younger kids who take ages to use a mouse. With Google Docs, it is quite easy to do your homework, but now it is hard to make children organize their documents in the drive, something that I learned fast when the older, less than 8 gigabyte hard drive of mine was filling up. And let's not forget language. No way that you could learn language in the early 90s and the 2000s as easily as you can now. The only thing that we got was how to pronounce the the and that London is the capital of Great Britain. <laughs> so that's some interesting perspective. Different situation in a different part of the world. He knew you were going to butcher it. Ar- Arvidas? Arvidas doesn't sound... Uh, yeah, it says it right here. Let's hear you butcher this. <laughs> Ar- Arvidas doesn't sound that that bad. I, I don't know how... Um, so he's talking about computer literacy, right? But then he starts to complain about young people. 
And I feel like complaining about younger people who do things in a different way is like how people complained about you learning how to use a mouse and a keyboard at a young age. Not exactly something productive. I don't think kids have to stop what they're learning, tablets and using more touch devices for working and learning how to use Google Docs to do homework. I don't think you stop them learning that to take them back to basics. It'd be like, here, child, learn how to save a document locally and then do a backup and put your fire, uh, you know, your folder hierarchical structure. I don't think we necessarily need to do that, but I do think we should teach computer literacy as, as early as we should with other subjects, right? Why the most vital thing in human civilization outside of, you know, the bare necessities of life is, you know, computer engineering and AI and how, where, how we're moving forward as a human race with that in tandem. Not teaching kids, I think, is very irresponsible. Yeah. It's coming from a very different perspective than what, what we know. Like, this is someone in a post-Soviet country who was really first able to come into contact with computers in an affordable way in their teens. Someone who had to learn a foreign language to get to use them. And someone who might not know that when we were growing up in the 80s, kids were getting access to games at a young age. And this is also someone coming into that from that millennial 80s perspective of associating computer skills with what used to be more technically demanding pieces of equipment than, than what kids are growing up with nowadays. Kids get computer literacy by default. I think kids get more linguistics education siphoning into them through the the default pop culture nowadays than in the 80s and 90s because um everyone on social media is talking to each other all the time yeah though your software will try as it might to automatically translate things into english that still uh i think will help kids learn about idioms and homonyms and borrowing words and how different linguistic grammar can can change the thought of the message drastically i tend to problem solve quite well at work and stuff and i feel like a lot of that was learned through video games <laughs> and it's the weirdest thing to think about yeah i was wondering about that too like just a lot of little things yeah you learn from video games it's procedural like like video games teach you how to play the video game by necessity so i do wonder if it's like changed the way a whole two generations of kids grows up thinking about things when they have to do it methodically and procedurally yeah systemically you know when you're just sitting around or whatever it's not the same thing as like you're playing a game that challenges your thinking constantly you know some of these games are can really take you out your comfort zone i i love yeah. it when a game can visualize a real world problem that's hard for yeah. an individual from their first person point of view to visualize. That's why I, I have such a fascination with the town builder genre. Is it like you can get a hands-on yeah. mechanically interactive responsive system teaching you how stamping down a subway station in the middle of a quiet residential suburb without a police station nearby may increase crime levels if the taxes aren't adjusted so that the rich people aren't in that neighborhood. Like like a lot of political problems about economics and urban development are, are what I bet kids have greater literacy on nowadays than when they're growing up without it. 
Liam and George's sex toy play? What? what, what? Oh yeah. What? Did I miss so, something? So RV us threw in a a post note. Don't be jealous. Uh, saying uh, postscript. It was a real delight to hear Liam and George's sex toy play. Hope to someday see real dad son's action again. Yeah, uh, Matt. When you weren't here, uh, Liam and I went through a list oh, of video game items that's and, right. and video game power ups and video game weapons and equipment. And uh, tried to see which one of them could be a sex toy in a in another universe. I hate that I wasn't here for that. I hate it so much. <laughs> Quickly before we leave, then Matt, what is the Jabberwocky? Is it a sex toy or an item in a video game? That's definitely an item in a video game. George straight up thought it was a sex toy. It could be. It's a common word. It's a piece of like Lewis Carroll poetry. And it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love uh, to get a sex toy called the Jabberwocky, no doubt. Oh man! Oh, is it Wabba? Wabba? I can't even remember. It, it was. Oh my God! Bloodborne is a gold mine for this stuff. Threaded cane. Ooh. Come on, threaded. I think one of them was from Bloodborne, or was it Dark Souls? Logarius's wheel. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's something that you you install in the room. Ludwig's sword. Ludwig, Ludwig. yes, I like it. <laughs> Clever. I, I don't know if the Tonatrus sounds like a sex toy, but it certainly looks oh, like one. Oh, that definitely does. Oh. oh, it even has like little electric motor in the top and where it like like flares up into the ball shape. Yeah. Flares. <laughs> for for easy removal. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Does it have a plus and minus on it? <laughs> <laughs> I I see a spot in the handle where they could, but not not all the way there. Liam is Liam is giving us the signal. Liam's giving uh, us the wrap up single. Liam's gonna mm. yawn himself out of here. Wrap it up, kids. Before, wrap it up before you invite someone special over to enjoy <laughs> your tonatrus. Your tonatrus. Your holy blade. Your um your your switch hammer. How about? This Christmas, you give the gift of dad and sons alongside your Tantras. <laughs> if you would like to pay money in exchange for goods and services <laughs> that help out the dad and sons podcast, consider signing up to our Patreon for the $15 tier. Uh, before the show wraps up, I wanted to make an announcement that we'll be doing our hangout session at a uh, the end of the week on Friday. So if you if you are listening to this, that's going to be happening almost simultaneously while you're listening <laughs> to it. Yeah, right now it is very possible we are talking in the uh, the honorary Dan and Sons AMA Discord channel and also playing Valheim simultaneously. So <laughs> jump on in, or if not, come next month. If you have the equipment, you could potentially listen to this audio recording of a podcast in one ear while also listening to live video game session hangouts in, in the other ear. Thanks for listening. Uh, consider signing up for our hastily planned and um, casually broadcasted uh, uh, Patreon benefits. Also, we have uh, t-shirts, socks, onesies, pajama onesies available at a public link do we have socks don't spread that kind of information out there you know that they're looking for those george socks <sighs> i want some george socks 
if we do, uh, I like them. <laughs> and and I I just wanted to say that along with saying that that I I like you and and I thank you for for listening to uh, our our okay <laughs> podcast. Is never gonna end. <laughs> this is not ending, and it's going weird. This is rough. I'm trying. This is, this is, it's this is really... like the end of the first date, George. <laughs> uh, buy my socks. You should say that on a date, George. I I I, I like you, and uh... you you are one of the only men in the world who can go on a date and say to somebody, "Buy my socks." <laughs> I, I don't think it'll work out any better there than it is here. Well, d- definitely wear your socks on the first date and show them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you like this face? Well, how about it duplicated multiple times? <laughs> on my socks. <laughs> on my feet. You can have that too. <laughs> For the low, low price of fourteen ninety nine. Now put it in your mouth. <laughs> what?